Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by three members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey guys. I have Todd. Hello. And from afar we have Scott. Hello there. Where are you at Scott? Um, I am in New Westminster. Right now I'm doing some teaching out here. Cool. How's the weather? Uh, It's snowing. Uh, Which is unusual for down here. We got so. gale force winds here. Like it sounds like the roof's gonna come off. Oh. Yeah, we're just I waiting. The entire city will be closed tomorrow because because <laughs> there's an inch of snow and it's a coast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what is this white stuff floating from the sky? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm expecting a call actually. This wind. Normally when we yeah. get this kind of wind, we get something. So. Yeah, I'm here sirens going on and off. You got an outside, you got your outdoor wrinkles set out there, right? Yeah, we uh, dumped the water in our outdoor rink the other day, took uh, four tender loads of the uh, fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was hoping it was going to freeze, but now we got wind, so I don't know how smooth the ice surface will be. A little choppy. <laughs> and we're using straight sewer water for that, Todd? <laughs> no, that's the good old hydrant water. Nice and murky. Oh, wow, it looks pretty brown. Yeah, don't worry, all the sediments uh, settle to the bottom now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. But then we quickly realized that, well, adding about 4,000 gallons of water to the hockey rink looks like a great idea, but now when it comes time to drain, we're in the middle of the vineyard, so I don't know what we're going to do with the water. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Get, a little, get a little forestry pump and pump it out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Into the vineyard? <laughs> Into the vineyard. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Into the season's water in right there. Yeah. Uh, as always, we're on a tangent. Uh, Scott, you got some news? Yeah, actually, uh, currently, as of right now, there's a massive what, uh, well, sorry, massive structure fire in Somerset County, mm-hmm. which is near New Jersey, I think. Um, actually, the Bar Boys alerted alerted us to it a little while ago. Um, so far, there's f- five buildings, at least five buildings consumed. Uh, Hundred residents evacuated. Um, started in a building that was under construction. It sounded like it, at one point it actually jumped the street into another building. So the radiant heat must have just like maybe lit up some curtains. I don't know. Yeah. So it's a six alarm fire. Jeez, it's a lot of alarms. Yeah. So many alarms. <laughs> no, but uh, no injuries, right? No, no one. Uh, none, uh, none, none yet. Yeah, <laughs> there shouldn't. Hopefully, there isn't any, but they, they say none yet. Right, oh. right, that's fine. Yeah. Huh? Hopefully, everyone's out there. You know, they're all out there kicking ass, doing their job. Stay safe, uh, stay safe, guys and girls. Do your jobs and come home safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, so tonight we actually have a uh, big interview planned, and uh, we already had that conversation. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let's roll straight on into that now. 
Our guest tonight is a former legionnaire in the French Foreign Legion, where he was a member of the Legion's elite group commando parachutists. Uh, he is also a fellow Canadian, a dedicated father, and when not preparing his children's school lunches, he's a commercial helicopter pilot and a partner in the Canadian risk management, uh, sorry, mitigation firm. Uh, and they solve difficult problems in challenging environments. It is my personal honour to welcome to the show Joel Struthers. Joel, welcome and thanks for coming on, mate. Gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I appreciate the intro. Absolutely, um, Joe. You, you recently added to your uh, your many accolades there by becoming an author as well and releasing your new book. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, by all means. Um, Appel, a Canadian the French Foundation, was published by Wilfrid Laurier University Press. Came out last March, um, and it basically depicts my time as a, a jumper with the the Legion Airborne Regiment, and then a a member of the uh, Commando Parachutist, the GCP, which is basically their Pathfinders. Um, and they also work separately as a, an SF unit. Um, and my intention was never to be a writer, um, you know, I'm a soldier, not a, not a writer per se, but uh, I just felt that there was a lack of positive portrayals of what a Legionnaire was. And when you do talk to people or it comes up the subject matter, there's a lot of, you know, BS out there and misconceptions and untruths. So, Long story short, I waited for years and nothing ever came out. And I felt, you know, maybe with time perspective, getting older and kind of with my work and travels, I thought, hey, maybe there's a story there. And um, yeah, so I put the time and an effort into it. When I hit my level of English knowledge and uh, punctuation and grammar, I met <laughs> a nice lady. And uh, we spent a ton of time on that. And then I was extremely lucky that Wilfred Laurier, which is a uh, university press, and they, they do... Uh, you know, stuff that had, obviously has the Canadian content. They were interested in the story and liked it. And, uh, yeah, we spent a year getting it up to, up to standard. And then it came out, as I said, last March. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, something I never saw myself doing, but, but here we are. And, uh, as long as it's, uh, out there educating people and doing its part, then I'm, you know, I'm happy with the, the results. And it seems to be doing so. Yeah, it, it, I was wondering how, uh, how that process has been because it, it, are you because at the moment you're obviously you've gone through a publisher yourself right yeah so Wilfred Laurier they what happened my dad is an ex uh, fighter pilot in the Canadian Air Force um, and he had a buddy that used to fly 104 together he's now actually the um, he works at RMC in, in Kingston and he had written a book about uh, Canadian fighter pilots during the second world war and when he heard through my dad that I was working on uh, a story, a book, he said, you know, would you mind me reading it? So I was like, by all means. At that point, I hadn't hadn't really finished it, but, uh, you know, and he helps good. So he really said, hey, listen, I think you have something here, Joel. Would you would you mind if I showed it to my uh, my publisher? And that's how it got to Wilfred Laurier. So I was, I think, extremely lucky. Um, I knew nothing about publishing, and I think... You know, from what I've been told, it's it's quite difficult in in Canada to get published, and certainly this genre or this subject matter is something that's probably tougher just because of the lack of knowledge or understanding. So, yeah, in the end, everything kind of went fairly quick, and yeah, I'm just kind of along for the ride now. But the onus is a lot on the author to market their book. So once the publisher kind of takes it and it's out there, you have to go out there and and, and you know kind of get the the word out. So that's what I've been doing for the last almost a year now just trying to yeah make it worthwhile because you put all that time and effort into it um it's pointless just you know let it sit and do nothing so here we are 
Absolutely. <clears throat> I know. Uh, so, so obviously, we um, we had we had heard about you through uh, through the Jocko podcast there, but and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But um, we, as soon as we kind of heard that and we listened, we're avid listeners. Uh, we all went and ordered your book. Uh, the only place you could find it was Amazon. Uh, at least, are there other places as well? Just, just quickly, just to touch, and we'll touch on it later. But other places yeah, you can find it. Yeah. The, well, the publisher will Lori, they, they they sell it um, direct through themselves. Uh, Indigo or Chapters Indigo, we can buy it online through them. Um, internationally, there's obviously also the, the ebook, you know, Kindle and uh, Kobo. Uh, it's on Apple iBooks on that format um i think they're looking into doing the audible here shortly i don't know but they said they're looking into that overseas you can get it at uh, barnes and noble in the states waters waterstones in the uk um so it's it's out there but yeah it's um you know it's it's tough these days in, in publishing like a lot of stores won't carry books unless the sales look right for them and then they'll order a large amount so it's it's predominantly online um right but it seems to be being received fairly well, from what I can understand. I've been reading a few of the reviews, and uh, you know, I know there was a, a one of them that I was reading that said that it was it was a phenomenal taking of uh, bringing out the the real history of the the uh, the French Foreign Legion and really kind of dispelling some of those misconceptions that have been around for many many years. Yeah, and hundred percent, and yeah, that was the objective was to kind of misspell a lot of the BS that's out there, and then just give a true account. Like there's. I mean, I'm not to talk negatively. So sometimes you read books in that genre and you think, man, these guys are just, they never make a mistake and they're just the best, you know? Um, that wasn't the case for me. You know, I was a young man. I'm a, I'm a human being and I'm soldiering. is not the easiest job. And certainly if it's done for real, there's a lot of, you know, learning curves. And I certainly experience those and you make mistakes and, and you learn from them. That's, that's life. And that ties into, I think, any type of job that we have out there. But um, yeah, the, the objective was to educate and then also, obviously, if you guys have read the book, you know, I had, you know, friends that paid the ultimate sacrifice and there's, there's good men that, that serve in Legion. I just felt that there should be something out there that, that gave them that honor and, and respect. And at the same time, you know, the, the Legion, the rep, France gave me an opportunity that the Canadian military wouldn't at the time. Um, and it was my way of kind of giving something back or certainly trying. And yeah, the feedback's been great. Initially, the Canadian, uh, uh, military journal uh did a, a review on it so that was that was big because that was you know it's a, a government entity the fact that they would review a book about you know legion it was a positive review so that was a good start and then um you know people that were were buying it felt that it was you know an honest portrayal i don't think there was any bs people from the legion guys i knew that were in with me uh, read it and the feedback was positive and it's only kind of now that it's it's really kind of starting to take off and yeah as you said so far the, the feedback's been great i haven't had actually one negative comment i think uh, about six months ago i had a little kid that uh, dm me saying you're a trainer <laughs> <laughs> i had a, i told my kids about that we had a good laugh um and then uh, yeah but no it's yeah so far so good that's what <laughs> So, uh, Joel, it's my understanding it's um, you actually you volunteered to join the Legion. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, the um, the military was in my in my family. Uh, my dad, obviously, as I mentioned, he was a uh, fighter pilot in the Air Force. Both his parents were, or both my parents' parents were were Army. My mom's dad was a three star tank. Um, won the DSO 
my dad's dad was third wave Juno Beach, retired full colonel in the artillery. And I was, you know, playing hockey as young as most Canadians do, and that came to an end, and I wanted to join the Canadian military and go reg force infantry. And at the time, there was no spots available, so what you had to do was, if you're interested in that, you could go reg or, um, reserves, the militia, go through the, the process of training, and then if positions came available, you would be theoretically, you know, top of the line to get those positions. So I did that, and I joined the, the Westies, the Royal Westminster Regiment in um, New Westminster, and I did my basic, my, and I did my battle school in Wainwright, and that's when the whole Somalia affair was kicking off, and it would eventually lead to the disbanding of the Airborne Regiment. Is that something that I always wanted to do was jump, for whatever reason it was in my check in a box that had to be done. And um, the Westies were tasked as supporting the Airborne Regiment, so my next course would have been the jump course in Edmonton um, when those positions came available. But we were retasked to be anti-tank total missile, and I was just wasn't having it. And when I was in Wayne, right, there was one of the NCOs that said that another NCO had just come back from the rep. And I was like, what's the rep? And he said, that's the Airborne Regiment in the French Foreign Legion. And that put the idea in my head. I was like, wow, okay. You know, I knew nothing about it. So I, I looked into it. And uh, I'd actually looked into the American military too, but that would have taken, if I could get in, it would take a long time, two years, which at that age, when you're, you know, you're, you're young, it's that's a lifetime. So I um I wrote to the Legion and they sent me back all the information that I needed and I said, Oh, that's it. I'm going and over I went. That's uh that's fantastic. It's uh, it's one of those things to be able to to volunteer. Again, obviously we, we talk about it a lot on here. It's it's one of those things that unfortunately in our service it seems to be getting less and less with people actually putting their name in the hat to go and do the things that you know we all as a passion enjoy to do. But yeah. same for yourself, right? You you had a you had a goal. You seen what you needed to do to get there, and you put yourself in the box to be able to do it. It's a it's a fantastic thing. No, I agree. I appreciate that. Yeah, and that's fortunately in life. That's the time you got to do it, right? You got to go after these. And it's also being having access to to knowing what's out there. I mean, we can talk about that later when we get into the fire stuff. But had I been more knowledgeable about firefighting, should I would have I would have done that too in my time instead of getting into trouble and doing nothing at home. I would have been you know <laughs> happily out fighting fires and hopefully you know trying to get into repel or even the jump program. Like it's just man, we can get there when we talk about that stuff later. But you know when you don't know you don't know. That's the problem. So yeah, when I was told about the rep, whatever reason it just it hit me and I was like, man, that sounds cool. And off off I go. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's I told you something there. No, I'd say absolutely like you talk about how deep it ran in your family roots, right? So that really gives you a lot of ammunition to uh, to lead towards volunteering into the military that way. Whereas mm-hmm. for us, we talk about like my roots was in the fire service. So that's how I started with the emergency services. Yeah. That's all I knew. Yeah, you watch your, your parents or, your, you know, your whatever your friend's parents or whatever and you, you see what, whatever it is that it, it's in you when you're a young man or young woman you, you see something that's intriguing and you're interested and then you're like you know can I do that and then I need to test myself and see if I can and I think most of us you know off we go and that's our direction is trying to prove something to ourselves absolutely absolutely yeah so did you do you think that uh, I'm just kind of wondering here do you think that maybe your kind of your want to jump had anything to do with your dad being the uh, the ex-fighter pilot there you, uh, you know no um when we because we spent a lot of time in in germany um excuse me, military had two bases in uh, germany Baden-Baden and lar and the airborne regiment was there so i would see them and my dad actually used to when he flew hercs before he went jets and he used to 
talk about, you know, the, the boys jumping on the back. And, um, but my grandfather, he had given me a, I don't know if this is the, the what caused it, but it's, it's certainly in my memories. He'd give me a jump smog for my 101st Airborne soldier, uh, when they were in England training pre D day. And he gave that to me when I was a teenager. And then, and I wore the, I wore the shit out of that thing. Uh, <laughs> and the screaming eagle on the side. I, unfortunately, I don't know what happened to it. I, I regret, you know, I, but whatever. Um, and then, you know, I was into those movies, you know, at that time, Platoon was out, Hamburger Hill, that kind of stuff, Full Metal Jacket. And just, I don't know if that had its effect, but just the, the infantry, the soldier, the grunt just looked cool to me, you know. Um, it's obviously not always cool, but in a movie, they make it look cool. And, uh, yeah, I think that just kind of those two things, you know, just the idea of being a soldier and jumping out of a plane for whatever reason resonated with me and it stuck there. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, at that age, I, you know, you see your, everyone does, does their thing. I had friends that, you know, they're going to school or they're trying to be, you know, whatever career they're going after. And I just, I couldn't see myself doing it. I just needed something different. And, uh, yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I think, uh, like you mentioned with that, the family heirloom of the smock, like, I remember for my history, like my dad, I was really young. He gave me his, uh, his badge from the fire department when I was quite young. And I carried that thing everywhere. And I just thought, I thought it was the coolest thing to have. I was like, I want my own badge. It just looked so badass, right? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, maybe that was a part of me getting into the service too. I mean, I don't know know if there's any truth to it, but there's got to be something about our DNA. You know, if we have parents or family members that have, experience and done certain things it's got to be in there somewhere where you're you're just drawn to that you know what i mean i don't know but uh yeah for whatever reason when i was young i was just enamored with anything that had to do with the military results you know now in this day do i wish my family had been all lawyers and doctors and uh <laughs> yes but hey <laughs> yeah, yeah, i blame them <laughs> Yeah, the experiences of our fathers and our forefathers always do tend to uh, twist back off onto us eventually. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, the uh, would just just out of interest, like obviously you you because you've been through a lot, um, you know, through your time through uh, through being a legionnaire. I know that uh, obviously again, this is this is based mainly off of the book reading that you did with Jocko there, but um, you you went through you went through some pretty pretty intense times. Um, is there anything that sticks out to you with regards to kind of a good memory? One of the one of your best memories of being in the service. Um, I mean, think, looking back, like it's it's all, and that's natural. We kind of forget the the bad things in life, and we always kind of remember the the positive and the good stuff. But even to be honest, I mean, overall, it was it was positive. I think to answer your question, it was when I was. I can't give you the exact moment, but I'm there doing what I want to be doing. And just that feeling of I'm in the right place. Um, I think that would be the overriding positive feeling that I had all the time. You know, when I was going after what I wanted to go after and there I was, and it was, it was coming together. So that was a, was a, always a positive feeling. Yeah. You got that feeling of just belonging, doing that yeah, thing that, you want to do. Yeah, I'm in the right, I'm in the right spot and, uh, yeah, I'm happy with where I'm at. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned to uh, Jocko there that, uh, you know, once you got over there, once you were accepted, you know, you said that, and we've been saying tonight, 
you uh, you want to volunteer. You, you want to like you tried to get um, down the path for the Canadian side of it, and then when that didn't really follow the timeline and your plans, so you go over there and you're pushing to to get to a place where, like you say, it feels like you belong. It feels like everything's clicking. You're still able to take that uh, Canadian pride. Like you're over there and you're doing the job. You you have that that pride from back home. Um, you know, I, I think that's the the really cool thing that you can kind of tie it all all in together. Which is, uh, yeah, that that would be a really cool thing. Um, and just like like you said there, that 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 sort of moment when everything clicks. Um, when it feels right, um, yeah, it was, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, no, I yeah, I appreciate it. I, I agree. Yeah, it was you know it wasn't your typical normal path, whatever. But mm-hmm. we all fall fall into our place for a reason, and yeah, it seemed uh, it seemed like it uh, it suited my you know my temperament, my past, my whatever. You know, it just I, it's, it it was a good a good mix. And also, that's, that's one thing too is when you're. Sure, you guys know it. When you're away from your your country too, you have that. There's that additional love and patriotism for your country, right? So I always felt like I kind of had that Canadian flag on my on my back. Absolutely. Um, and then that's the beauty of the Legion is everyone's there's you know a variety of nationalities and you're working together and it's 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 a great lesson. I mean, you learn at the end of the day, regardless of your you know nationality, whatever. You're we're all human beings at the end of the day, and you get you find that that connection where you're just soldiering together, get mm-hmm. the job done, you're the shit, and you just, you know, you're, it's a man, man, you know, you're just men to men, it doesn't matter if you, you know, you can't speak French that well, or, you're, or where you come from, it's just, so that's, you know, for me, it was good lessons, and things, and that's what it was, it was there was a lot of good lessons that, for me as a young man, I needed, you know, a good kick in the ass, and to kind of, <laughs> yeah, see the world for what it was, and, mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, there we go. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes absolute sense. Absolutely sense. I think uh, I think there's a lot of people that could get that from, and this this is something we'll get into now. But that uh, that feeling of just belonging to something bigger than yourself, being a being a cog, but being something that you feel is strong and powerful, just doing the work that needs to get done in a place that mm-hmm. it needs to get done in. And yeah. uh, we relate that a lot, especially into you know the fire service. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that you know should put their hand up to get involved in this kind of stuff. They'd have a blast, but like you said. They don't all realize how easy it is to get into the things that they want to do. It's, yeah. it's difficult to, to see sometimes through uh, yeah. through everything else that's going on, especially now. Yeah. Your brotherhood. Yeah. And you learn so much about I me. Mean, you guys will contest this and admit the same. You learn so much about yourself. You have this idea of, you know, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a pilot, I want to be a soldier. Whatever you choose to do, you have this idea of what, it's, what it is. But you get there, you start going through the motions, the training, and you learn about yourself, which is the biggest the best by proxy of everything is you figure out who you are as a person, right? Your weaknesses and your strengths and you, you go from there. And sometimes, you know, I'm sure you guys see it too in your, in your training and your experiences and doing what you do is sometimes you don't necessarily meet the level of where you'd like to be. But I think that teaches you to, you know, accept that you realize that you're a human being and you work harder and you maybe train better or you figure out a way to get around it, but you also know what you're made of and how you tick. And that's, you know, Absolutely needed to be a successful person in life, I think. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people miss out on that opportunity, and they're just kind of, you know, 
fighting themselves for the, the rest of their life, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a big part of uh, kind of being in the, the volunteer service is obviously you're you're always trying to innovate, adapt, overcome all the problems that you're trying to deal with on a regular basis because, you know, you may not have the equipment to figure it out. So what do you need to yeah. do? You need to figure it out. It's, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to pay for itself to so just figure out the situation with what you've got and deal with the problems. Yeah. And you see how you react in a stressful situation or or under stress and, you know, you, you learn from that too and make changes and adapt and then get better at it down the road. But until you experience that, you don't know. Like you think, oh, I'm going to be this, you know, kick-ass soldier and then first round cracks over your head and you're like, holy fuck, this is not fun, you know, or your first fire or, or whatever, you know, your first year paramedic, you get to your first car accident and you freeze because the sights are, you know, not comfortable. Um, I always, you know, take that from from my experience and lessons is you really find out what you're, what you're made of, which is key, right, as an individual, as a person trying to figure out where you're, where you're at. Um, even if you don't like it, I mean, you you know, sometimes it's disappointing. Like, shit, I'm not, you know, I'm not quite as good as I thought I should be, but you, you get around it. Yeah. I think what's really neat about that, though, um, and I think there's a lot of similarities there, is once you're in the shit, and when you're early, when you're early on, and you 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 find that moment where it's like, man, maybe I'm not what I thought I was in my head, but you look yeah. around at your brothers and sisters and you see them kicking ass. Exactly. It, it elevates you and I mean when you're able to rise above and kind of challenge the situation with them um, it shows you even just a glimpse into what you are capable of uh, and that's what really propels you forward to go back and train harder and, and like you say try to find a workaround for your weaknesses and turn that into a strength so the yeah. whole brotherhood and sisterhood I think that speaks, speaks volumes on uh, um, both sides of it here yeah, and I think I agree 100. percent We do that in all trades. Is you look at your peers, your managers, your the hierarchy of people that you're listening or answering to, and they lead by example. And that's the big one for for everything. Is you know, mm. what we should do the same when we get to that position. Is you lead by example and help with the next guy because that's what that's what we do. We look for the we look for the example. Um, yeah. And that's that's what it was for me. You get into this situation that was unknown, new to me, and you look to your right and left and see what your coworkers are doing and how they're reacting, and yeah, what you learn from. Yeah. So let's uh, let's touch on that a little bit as well. Then, so obviously your experiences over there, obviously they they changed you as you went through. Obviously everything that you had gone through when you got back you had a different mindset. Did you find that with that mindset now that it's helped you um, kind of, you know, get back into to civvy life and, and uh, in work and business, if you find that's related quite well back and forth? Yeah, I think um, initially the transition was a bit tough. I went straight, like I, I got out and I went straight into flight school uh, in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a bit weird. Uh, I re- you know, thinking back, I remember it was just kind of strange, you know, they you come from such a controlled environment to freedom. It was just, it was a bit, took some getting used to. And then just working in the city world too, once you start flying commercially and stuff, it's just, it's so different from, you know, a military, the government, it's just, yeah, that took some getting used to. Like there the, didn't seem to be a lot of SOPs or rules and regulations. It just, you know what I mean? It just seemed very like, just get the job done, figure it out, whatever. But, yeah. um, the tools, you know, to answer your question, the tools that 
I got from spending my six years in the, in the Legion and the Rep certainly ensured that me as an individual and doing my job, in this case, flying helicopters, I was, you know, I took it seriously. I was professional. And I knew that, you know, being ready and taking your job seriously was was required. And uh, just because maybe some of my coworkers weren't quite as serious and they stayed into the bar late or whatever, I would I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't gonna play the same game. So it's it yeah, it certainly served me well. Um and then to going back to what we said before, you know you know about yourself, right? I can't I'm not that type of person I can I can go out late and function the next next day, right? So I, I don't because I knew that about myself. Um so I had that head start from a lot of the, you know, thinking back to when I started flying with the guys that were with me at kind of the same, same hour level, you know, getting to the industry. It's, yeah, some of our, it'd be hard to talk about, you know, like, I guess our, our subjects and our discussions were so different, I guess, from my experiences. So I was, you know, um, that would have been kind of part of the transition is kind of getting back into just that city world and talk and, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it served it served me well. Yeah, yeah it absolutely does. So, but I'm sure it also gave me some, you know, not negative stuff, but I, I'd be a little more uh, less patient and uh, demanding on certain things. Where you know, some of my civilian friends would be like, "Holy shit, man, relax." <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. Anyway, you learn, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you when you uh, started flying, uh, doing uh, forestry fires and stuff, did you notice that there's a bit more of that kind of pill military style in the fire yes, service when you're doing that? Hundred percent. And that's to be honest with you, um, probably the, the reason I probably am still flying is because of the fires. Um, I enjoy it. Definitely enjoy. It. I like the people on the ground. You know, they're they're keen. They're motivated. They're switched on, and they're you know it has that military feel to it. you know there's hierarchy there's different groups there's frequencies there's you know there's SOPs and there's rules and it's you know there's briefings so it, it has a lot of similarities and I, and I enjoy that part of it and I'll admit sometimes I'm in Vietnam um dropping <laughs> <laughs> you guys off into the, the Neshaw Valley and I yeah yeah I, I remember uh, a couple of years ago I, I worked in Ontario um with the crews there and uh when they called me and they would always say it's a it's a hot LZ. <laughs> 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 we used to have a good laugh about that, you know. But um, yeah, no, I, I I definitely enjoy the uh, the fires. I did repel uh, last year in Alberta, which unfortunately they just canceled. But um, you know, same thing, man. Good crews, you know, dialed in, motivated. Um, and then yeah, you fly into a fire. It's it's busy. You know, if it's a big one, you got your bird dog flying around, controlling the airspace. You got bombers coming in. They're telling you to do stuff. You got guys on the ground that need their. You know, it's busy and it keeps you keeps you interested. So I, I definitely appreciate like the, the fires for sure, more so than anything. Um, yeah, the one gas crap you can you can keep. <laughs> <laughs> so is it yeah. safe to say that you you found some of that adrenaline fix again doing the forestry firefighting? Well, yeah, I mean. Flying itself is always, you know, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a funny industry. It's a tough industry. I think we all, most pilots, you get sucked into the love of flying. You're definitely not there for the, the lifestyle, you know. Um, you work hard, you weigh a lot, and the pay is, you know, mediocre at best, and it's it's inconsistent, right? So it's, it's, right. it's tough on that, but we all kind of get that bug of the machine, the sounds, and the flying, and you never master it, so you're always after that 
whatever it is, you know, try to, and then on fires, it's, you know, it's, yeah, for me, I like it. There's always something different, you know, one day you're either, you know, you're bumping crews, you're slinging gear, you're slinging water, you're repelling guys, and whatever you're doing, it's, it's, it's different, so it keeps you on your toes, and, um, it's also interesting, I, you know, you're sitting there waiting for the call, or if you're doing IA, and, whatever you know there's that there's that excitement factor that i, I get a rush out of like you're always the unknown is there whereas if you go to a you know a seismic camp or, or whatever it's it's not quite as exciting in my view um so yeah i definitely appreciate the, the fires yeah so on that actually how uh how did you end up getting directly into the commercial because you said you left <clears throat> and then the first thing you did when you got back into kind of the civvy world was you went to uh, you went to the flight school in Victoria. How did that all come about? So yeah, so I was I'm honestly over in in, uh, in France with the rep, and uh, I'm coming towards you know my last two years, last year definitely, and I was kind of looking at you know is this something I want to do for the rest of my to my life? Because I was at a, a phase where I would have to start considering uh, becoming an NCO. And then in the French military system at that time, you need 15 years in to qualify for their retirement plan. So I was, you know, I was coming up on 30 years of age and it was kind of one of those forks in the road where you got to decide, like, am I going to do this for life? Or if I'm not, it's now that I got to make a change. You know, I'm I'm not too old, but I'm I'm getting there. I got to kind of make the decision. And um, the way things were happening, you know, we weren't, we were busy, we weren't too busy. It's not like these days, but uh, we were in uh, Brazzaville, Congo, and um, the local government hired these two uh, high-end ME-24 gunships that they were using for, it was the tail end of the Civil War there, and they used to fly over. We were looking after um, the French embassy, um, the Gaz de Gaulle, and they would fly over us low every couple of days just to kind of say, hey, we're out there, you know? And I would run out until we had this big grass field, and I'd run out just to, to check them out because they're a beast, you know, and they make a hell of a noise, and they're neat. <laughs> and, uh, and we used to jump because the GCP were uh, uh, Halo qualified, so we're which is you know high altitude free fall, so we were always jumping out of the Punas, the the helicopters that the French military had, the super free and stuff. So we were always in the back of helicopters, either you know in repelling too, or just in and out doing what we we're doing. And I was always kind of watching the guys flying thing you know that's it's neat so there was it kind of put that bug into me that you know hey and i thought hey why don't i go back to canada and my dad had mentioned uh flying helicopters at one point you know so i thought you know what maybe i will and i wrote to the vancouver island helicopters had a training school there um they don't anymore but at the time they did and i, I applied and when i was coming up to my last six months whatever i they sent me, you know, a, a letter or whatever saying that I was accepted. And, um, yeah, that was my decision to, to leave the, the rep, the Legion. And, yeah, I went straight into flight school in Victoria. It was a six-month program. And right after that, I got a job with a, a company out of Calgary, but they had a base up in uh, Fort Nelson. Mm-hmm. And I just started flying the 206 and the oil patch to get my, um, my hours up. And then at about, I think it was 800 or 1,000 hours, I, he sent me down to... Uh, uh, Penn Six in there with Eric Stoop to do my mountain course A star endorsement, and then I, you know, at that point I think he needed 500 hours to fight fires in uh, in, in BC and Alberta. So then I, that's when I started, you know, getting on the fires and stuff. And um, yeah, so that was my my transition straight into the flying. I knew nothing about the industry. Um, 
I just, you know, initially it was just flying helicopters seemed cool. So I learned <laughs> as I went. Yeah, but, um, yeah, for the first, for the first chunk, I would, uh, I would do both because obviously during the winters, um, there wasn't a lot of flying. And if there was any flying, it would be go to the guys with the hours. So I would, I worked for a, a British security firm, Armour Group out of London. And I would, so I would do overseas stuff for, for the winners to make money because obviously the pay is absolute crap flying. And, uh, I would come back for the summers and, and do the flying, which wasn't ideal, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And so I'd do that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, we actually, you, you mentioned briefly there as well with the, you had a lot of respect for the guys on the ground. Did you ever feel like being a guy on the ground? Well, I, you know, 100%. And as I mentioned earlier, when we were kind of in the intro there, if, if I had known as a young man that you could, you know, go fight fires in the summer, um, I would have done it. I would have done it in a heartbeat. And then watching, I, I did, um, I supported the, the jumpers out of Fort St. John there one summer. We had a contract machine there. And, uh, and I was just blown away that there's kids out there, men and women, like boys and girls, whatever, jumping into fires from, you know, an airplane. I was like, what? No one told me about this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have been, I would definitely have done that had I known. And, uh, yeah, life had been different. I would have, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I respect, you know, the guys, even to this day, I see them. I mean, you guys and the girls, they, they work hard and they, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm always quite uh, enamored with, uh, everyone on the ground and the work ethic and even just the attitude. Um, you know, that's something to be said too is you come from different types of flying, like seismic or whatever. Um, cause we all do it or have done it in our career. The difference of the temperament and the type of person in the back of the machine. And that's not saying anything negative about them, but just the, it's the attitude, I think, and just the atmosphere and the fires. The people are always happy and keyed up and keen, you know, um, <laughs> which, which just makes your day all that more enjoyable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I can Man. definitely understand that. We, uh, Man. We all, we all, you know, for the, you know, when that pager goes off, it's not always the same that somebody else wants to hear. But for us, we're kind of ready and raring to get there and, and do what we can do to, to help out. So for us, it's a, you get that adrenaline buzz, right? You, you're happy because you're going on a call. You're happy that you're going to help someone. You're not happy for the situation, but you're definitely happy that you can get there to help. So, yeah, there's yeah. definitely someone up for sure. You bet. Yeah. And every, yeah. No. Hats off to you guys too. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I respect, at the end of the day, anyone that does any particular job and they do it well and they put the time and effort and they take it seriously, I respect that, you know. Um, and it's neat to see someone that's, you know, doing something and, and taking it seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Scott, I think, uh, Scott, you had something, I think, right? Yeah, I just uh, I was thinking about, you know, we deal with, uh, we deal with helicopters a lot and, um, especially when they're bucketing. Um, I'm just wondering if there's any advice you can give to uh, to, the, to us on the ground that would assist you or that makes your life easier or things that things that people do that makes your life harder, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, you know, it's a good question and a valid one. Um, it's, that's something forestry has to, when that discussion's coming up to a lot these days is, you know, forestry aren't necessarily demanding, but they kind of expect you know, people to, to show up on their fires and, and be able to do everything and do it well, you know. And we're in a kind of a, a period here now where a lot of the, the old-timers that went through the, the flying when there was, you know, logging and everything was going on, they had like 10, 15,000, 20,000 hours. They make it look easy. Um, unfortunately, for new pilots coming 
minutes to go and do it, especially the long lining, the bucketing, slinging gear, you know, 100 foot, 150 foot, 200 foot line, whatever. It's just time on the line. There's no way you can learn it without doing it. And it, it just comes over time. So uh, I think to answer your question is that if you have, you get spoiled, you got, you know, you got a guy that comes in and he's, he's on it, he makes it look easy. Um, you're lucky, you know, but if the next guy gets switched out or another machine comes in and he's struggling is, you know, you guys have to just give him or her, give him, give him a chance and help him out. You know, it's, uh, it's, you know, they're not going to learn unless, unless they do, or at one point there'll just be no more pilots that are qualified to do the stuff that forestry wants. But, um, the big one is, yeah, just, you know, obviously being cognizant of the fact that that, you know, that sling line, even if it's steady and he's on it, you know, things do happen. And if you're, if you're not paying attention or you've got your back turned to it, it it's, there's definitely a danger there. Um, and then communication is key. You know, a lot of times, especially when you come in with a load or whatever, you're trying to find the guys in the trees, the more information you can give, the, the better, because sometimes it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, and then, uh, the big one too is if you got a, you know, it's warm. You guys were up in the hills somewhere, and the load is heavy, and he's kind of not found you. And then you're saying, "Okay, we're behind you now." He can't back up. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to go around because, yeah, that's how you get yourself in big trouble. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I think it's just you know, the answer guys would be just yeah, give the guys give the guys a chance because um, yeah, it's it's terrible to look sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Joel, you're uh, you're also you're a partner as well in a in a risk management company based out of Victoria. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what you do there? Sure. Um, so it's Ravenhill Risk Control. Um, so there's three of us are partners in the company. Um, the name Ravenhill is actually a Victoria Cross that was won on my mum's side of the family. It would be my grandma's, my mum's mum's great 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 uncle, and he won the the VC at the Battle of Clenzo in. Um, during the Boer War and uh, shot through the arm, awarded the VC, um, went back, fought in the First World War and came back with what were obvious signs of, you know, shell shock, PTSD. Got himself into a bit of trouble. I think he was drinking. And he basically, four of his kids were sent to the US and Canada as orphans because he couldn't afford to, to raise them. And he had been in a, this will come around to the Ravenhill, but hence the name. He was put in like a penal section and they weren't paying him the wage that he felt that he was due. So he had stolen, I think it was 12 pence. He was in Birmingham. He was he stole 12 pence of steel at, and basically to sell to pay for food for his, his family. And uh, he was caught and the queen, they took his VC back. So he's one of eight VC recipients that had their VCs taken away. Um, in the end, it was it was returned to him, and it's in the it's in the museum now. But he died at my age, like forty seven or forty eight, you know, basically destitute. And I always thought it was a, and I didn't know about this actually until I was going to flight school. And my grandparents were in Victoria, and I'd go there for dinners Sunday nights. And my grandma said, "Yeah," because I was always enamored with that kind of stuff. And said, "Yeah, there's a VC in our family." I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I was blown away. So I did the research, and then, you know. Two partners, Kenny's in the book, Keith, he's in the, the book also. Um, when I decided I wanted to, you know, get together and, and create our own company, because we were all working for different entities supporting oil and gas and efforts, and we thought, why don't we do it for ourselves? I said, you know, I would like to use the name Ravenhill out of respect for, you know, a brave soldier that kind of paid the price, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's the name. So, yeah, we, um, we're licensed in BC, um, and we support... Uh, 
a variety of things. I mean, our, our, our success really is, our, is our, our networking from our time in the military and then working, you know, overseas afterwards and everything just over time is if we have a customer that has an issue or, a, you know, a requirement, wherever it may be, we have the ability to reach out and find people that are, are trustworthy and have the experience and the background to, to support that. So, you know, there's a, for example, there's an NHL hockey team that, you know, they, their owners, the family, they'll go off to uh, France for the Cannes Film Festival or whatever, and they, they want people to, to help them out. So we can reach out to friends that I did my uh, free fall course with that were all French, SF, or police. They're now out, but they have the game. We can set them up with viable, you know, respected, and trustworthy, worthy people. Um, so we get a, a variety of demands. We're small. But, uh, you know, we've been around for 12 years now, and um, I just think, yeah, we're able to, to assist clients based on, on their needs. Um, there's a gold mine. We, you know, we support the movement of gold for a large corporation. Um, so, yeah, um, that's Ray Mill. And, uh, you know, hopefully one day we'll have a helicopter, that would be. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, easier said than done. There, uh, uh, my bank account can't cover that yet. <laughs> Not even close. We'll get her, mate. We get her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Buy my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no money in books yet. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, on the on the back of that. Now, I I uh, I had heard you mention a portion of that where obviously. Uh, the, the family member there had had PTSD and had that moment there, obviously, where you, you see things, obviously you go through things and uh, those things kind of stick with you. Um, I know that yourself, you've actually got a uh, a clothing line called Legion Engineered. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Legion Engineered, which is, yeah, initially, I mean, do you want the story behind it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... You know, a couple of years ago, we were try, kind of trying to think of things to, because obviously Raven Hill, we have subcontractors that we use, and we wanted to, you know, give them some merch for the, you know, at Christmas time or whatever, or stuff that they can. So I came up with this, you know, I, basically, you know, sweater, and I came up with the Legion Engineer idea, which was just the LE with the, the French colors. And it was more just of a thinking that, you know, we're, such so, so as three in the, in the company, is we all have our different personalities but definitely our time in the, in the legion affected us in the way we i guess deal in the in the business world like we're you know we i don't know how to explain it probably but we're we're definitely legion engineer if you know what i mean we have our our sops and our ways of doing things and we're pretty you know direct that way and there's not a lot of room for for bs so yep. that was kind of the idea and then recently the um i'm still good friends with the uh, the head NCO at the Royal Westminster Regiment. And he invited and asked actually if I would be willing to come and be the guest speaker at their senior, senior NCO dinner, which I was honored to do so. Um, not my strong point. Once again, I was stressed about that one for a while, but whatever. <laughs> I, did, I did, my, did my best to get my cue cards ready. And I, I went and did it. And sitting there, um, talking to the the officer and some of the other NCOs and a lot of the guests that were there, some of them had been at the Medec pocket, um, the, the PTSD was just like not rampant, but it was it's a huge issue. They had a couple of young guys that had come back from Afghanistan, obviously, and decided they just couldn't do it anymore and shot themselves. And that just 
it tugs at my heart because I get it, you know, and I'm a dad and I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, my, my son goes off, serves his country and he comes back and he, that decision that at the end of the day he feels is the best one. He kills himself, you know, I, I just, so I thought, you know what, Raven Hill, the PTSD, the name, I got this Legion engineer thing. I got the book, like I'm, I'm getting this, this platform where I can share stuff. Why don't I somehow try to tie it all together and do something that's, I guess, hopefully it would be something that could help the cause. So it's, you know, it's, it's brand new, but the idea is, yeah, just to create this, you know, apparel line that's decent that people would either wear because they're, they're happy to, to support the cause or it still looks cool, you know? Um, so that's the idea is to try to, to build something that would take its own route and then create money or funds and all the money would go to, you know, keep it running and then support any veterans affairs, PTSD programs for any country you know if we like this year if it's predominantly out of canada the the buys or if it's out of the u.s or the uk or whatever whoever has the majority of the buys will send send the money whatever that is to uh, the country in question and you know if it's a little bit whatever but at least you know for me at least i'm we're trying to do something to, to help which i think is a a serious issue and it's yeah, it's, it's a hard one to get my head around it's just sad i mean i had a guy actually um dm you the other day that had seen me on jocko read the book and he said he came back from Afghanistan in 2012, American, um, obviously military. And out of his unit, 52 guys had killed themselves. Jeez. And I was just exactly, I was just blown away. Like, that's what insane. the, the F, you know, like, what the hell? Anyway, so, yeah, that's the idea of Legion Engineers. Hopefully, you know, build this little brand that would take its own route and start rolling and hopefully, you know, create a bit of funding to help help guys and, and women out that are, are suffering you know and not necessarily i mean at this point it's early on it doesn't necessarily have to be soldiers it can be frontline operators it could be firefighters or whatever because PSD hits everyone and there's no there's no secret um so yeah we'll see it's um it's finding it's it's place right now if that makes sense yeah absolutely it does Todd. yeah that's there. that's absolutely awesome that you that you're doing something like that um PTSD actually it's uh, it's very near to me as well. I've been a uh career paramedic here for about 20 years now and I've definitely suffered from it and you know I'm a survivor from it and I've got a lot of other friends as well that are affected by it and I've lost a few friends from it as well. And there you, go. you know it's uh it affects everybody differently. It can come at any time in your life and your career and just to see that there's people like yourself out there Finding ways to support it is uh, is absolutely outstanding because we we need the support. You know, there's like you just said, there's so many men and women in all sorts of services, emergency services, veterans. Um, the supports were never there. They're starting to get better, but yeah. we got a long way to go. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that, and uh, that's you know, hats off to you. And it's yeah, it's sad. I can only imagine. I mean, it just it seems. It's just a drastic and horrible way to, to end a problem, and it's it's rampant. So yeah, um, again, I I don't know enough. I wish I knew more. I'm trying to learn more, but at the same time, at least you know, maybe this will yeah, educate me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, hats off to you guys too for yeah giving me this uh, this platform to to maybe try and, and help. Absolutely. Yeah, it's <clears throat> like Todd said, Todd uh, Todd actually is one of the people that, that comes and, and goes around to 
many of the fire halls during these times of kind of grief when there's been big, horrible, nasty things that we've all got to see and be involved with. And uh, Todd's actually one of the people that comes and, and helps people process and talk about it and go through those things. So yeah, it's a, it's it is very near and dear to all of us. Um, yeah, it's it's an important important factor. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, that's uh, well well done. Yeah, it's it's needed. Um, yeah, yeah. Appreciate sure that. So there's uh, as as part of that, you then you said mentioned obviously that some of the proceeds from that go to um, to the different areas of which those items are purchased, and that's on mass, right? So you then make a donation back for anything that's that's bought as well of, of the items that you sell. That's that's fantastic. What what a great way of doing it. Really good way. Yeah, I mean, at, at this at this point, it's it's only brand new, right? So we haven't even hit. Like it's been up up and running. I think the website for maybe two months now. So it's right now. You know, Raven Hill's a partner in the effort. So there's the initial cost to get up, which is not huge, but just get it up and running and get the everything set up and figure out what we're doing and, and moving forward. And then yeah, the idea will be you know we we monitor obviously what track if most of the, the buys come out in two twenty from Canada, then we'll send it to veteran affairs in Canada. Um, and then just you know the, the rest would be enough to keep the brand rolling and then hopefully improve it i mean it'd be nice if we could you know make it uh, a little more wearable or but um yeah the idea would be just to whatever it makes helps the cause yeah solid Absolutely. love it mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty excellent man um on your legion engineered uh website there you uh, list out a couple other partners and we saw the uh ronan safety and rescue kind of jumped out of this there what what's that about are you involved in that or is that a contributing partner yeah so ronan we um we've crossed or worked together on several things that that's um we're fine for the uh, you know one of the the partners he's ex uh, militia mm-hmm. um and then one of the other partners is former united states marine corps so we've um you know, we have a good relationship with, with Ronan and, and work together. I'm repeating myself, but you know, when I, when I started the, the Legion engineer thing, I said, Hey, would you guys be interested in, you know, being a part of the push and the idea? And they were, of course, obviously interested in, in, in doing so. So they're, yeah, they're, you know, they're there for, for support and, uh, you know, trying to get the, the name out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then same with, um, canine canine group. Yeah. They're the third party, and we same thing. He's ex um, Bruce is the uh, the CEO of that. He's the ex RCMP, and um, you know we've we've worked uh, together on uh, quite a few stuff. And same thing, they you know they love the the idea, and you know we have a little little portion there where it's there's the uh, the LE logo, but it's got the dog paws, and that would be for you know service dogs or right same type of thing. We would uh, you know any sales for that type of stuff, you would. I'm sure dogs get PTSD too, right? So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if dogs like beer or, or whiskey, but uh, we'll get them a nice bone or something, you know, whatever. There you oh, go. We do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we'll do whatever we can on our platform to share that for sure, because it's a hell of a cause. And uh, yeah, James, I appreciate that. That's, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. So actually, on that on that note, so uh, we're we're gonna kind of wrap up here now a little bit there, bud. So just uh, just maybe give us a, a little run then again. So you got your book, obviously. So your book, the the name of your book is again Appel, a Canadian. Yeah, so it's Appel, a Canadian in the French Foreign Legion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, by Wilfrid Laurier University Press, and yeah, if you wanted 
you can get it through them. Amazon's probably the easiest. It's if you like ebooks, it's you know it's on Kindle, it's on Kobo, it's on um, what's the other one? Uh, you can get it on Apple, uh, Google Play, um, and then Chapters Indigo online. And then Raven Hill Risk Control, Canadian Risk Mitigation Company. We just support you know any client with kind of a, a challenging type problem. We have the ability to to network and, and find them or source them the right trustworthy people in any part of the world. Um, and then Legion Engineer, basically just a, an apparel line that will hope, hopefully, you know, help veterans affairs, PTSD type programs, um, or any, you know, frontline operators, anyone that's suffering, if we can find a way it's new, we'll find its path. But at the end of the day, it's just trying to get recognition and maybe do something to help the cause touch wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Solid. Absolutely. Yeah. Super important. And then uh, finally there, uh, Joel, what about our listeners just letting them know where they can actually find you on social media and where they can, uh, you know, follow you and keep track of what you're up to and your calls that you're trying to, you're trying to fight for as well there. Well, my Tinder name is Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ash just um, added you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Start rumors, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we laugh, but uh, I probably should. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, social media. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge, uh, you know, social media. But there's, yeah, there's that uh, Joel Struthers uh, Instagram and then Facebook, um, and then Appel has a Instagram page which is at Appel underscore WLU. But you can just go to mine, uh, Joel Struthers, and it, it's it's it, it's there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. And then I'm, um, I'm, you know, on the professional side, there's. Um, my profile on LinkedIn, which is a uh, as Legion engineer, but uh, it's Joel Struthers, and that is really about it. Um, I don't tweet, and uh, there you go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's that's been a learning curve for me too. Is the whole obviously marketing and the social media, so I'm you know getting into it, but it's not my my forte. If that makes any sense. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely makes sense. Uh, we started this program about a year and change. And uh, we're we're right with you there. We, it was a learning curve for us, and you know it, it took us this amount of time to even get the comfort that we have now with the social media. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But with uh, the way the world's changing now, that's definitely the easiest way to get out there. And um, I mean, podcasts are great, and I mean it's definitely awesome to have you on here. And um, it was awesome listening to you on the Jocko. So I appreciate yeah. that thing, and uh, yeah. I, I wish you guys the best of luck and I certainly appreciate the this opportunity and uh, mm-hmm. yeah I'll do I'll do what I can too to um to help help you guys cause too um you know obviously it's I don't really have a huge platform but I'll certainly post and repost what I can yeah. I'll play the game yeah right exactly <laughs> always appreciate chat well uh what we're going to do is we're going to grab all of your uh, all of your links, all of your info that we can find. We'll put it up in one post along with this episode link, and then we'll make sure that we boost that out to everybody else. And then we'll also add all of the Legionnaire um, points and pieces that are on there too and get that out and see if we can get you a little bit of throughput from that as well from our audience. Appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Very Thank welcome. you very much for coming on, mate. It was greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we're honoured to have you on, and thank you uh, again for sharing those items with us. It's fantastic. Mm. And vice versa, and yeah, I appreciate you guys' efforts, and hopefully we'll, maybe we'll see you on a, a good fire one day. That would be... <laughs> That'd be a getter. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be a getter. <laughs> okay, keep safe. Take care, man. Take care. Thanks, Joel. Bye-bye. And there we have it. That was, uh, that was Joel Struthers. 
that was an awesome interview. That was a fantastic, fantastic time. It's good to it's good that he uh, he agreed to come on. It was uh, it was a bit of a strange situation where we reached out and he straight up said, "Yeah, it was great." Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I mean, we we heard him on the Jocko podcast. That's kind of what alerted us to his story. Um, obviously, Jocko with the military side of it. Uh, but then he got into what he got into after the military. Um, and that led him to the forestry firefighting, which obviously ties into what we're, what we're doing here. And, um, he was great. I tossed out a quick message and he responded quickly and, uh, we chatted back and forth a bit and agreed to come on and man, I'm super, super happy with the way everything went. It was awesome. So thanks again. Yeah. Local West coast, uh, boy as well. Represent. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. Do you have any uh, any takeaways there? Each of your boys there, you got some? Yeah, um, I'll jump in there before Todd can. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my biggest uh, takeaway is the PTSD uh, work that he's doing now. So obviously, uh, from his time in the uh, French Foreign Legion, um, he served alongside guys, um, you know, lost brothers. Um, he's seen some things struggle with things right so coming back and he's got a passion for that and what he's doing there it really speaks speaks volumes um you know coming for myself um i lost my cousin he served for the canadian uh, military uh 20 years ago came came back home and hung himself uh that's that's not the answer and back then like i was a pretty young young man at the time but never really grasped what you know the whole ptsd thing was it was not really heard of so the more that we can educate that, and then now being in firefighting, it really speaks out because, I mean, we see things, we, we see brothers suffering f- from it, and, um, you know, the fact that he's doing something about it. You know, he says it's pretty early, and who knows what it's going to do, but the fact that he took the effort and he's, he's putting something out there, um, it's amazing. So, for me, I'd say that's my... I mean, the entire interview was great, but, uh, I mean, I really appreciate what, what he's doing there. And, uh, yeah, anything that we can do to support that cause, uh, we're going to do it for him. Yeah, straight. Absolutely. Yeah, again, uh, I'll, I'll confirm that is legionengineered.com for the uh, uh, awareness and PTSD. You know, mm-hmm. any, any platform, in my opinion, to raise awareness for that, just discussing about it, and they're taking it even further, um, putting funding into it, yep. is, is absolutely outstanding. Uh, he, was, he was awesome to listen to his story again. Um, he's very well versed mm-hmm. and yeah, just, uh, that awareness level is huge. Like we all have stories from it. Yeah. Um, and I think now in the emergency services, it's so predominant. We're seeing more and more of it now. So it's, uh, it's big that he's doing something like that. And it's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, <clears throat> so onwards then we've got, uh, so it was Legion engineered dot com correct mm-hmm. yeah. legionengineered.com and uh, that is where you can go purchase the apparel that uh, Joel was talking about there and that um, again a portion of that will go towards um, veterans yeah right. and there's some pretty legit stuff on there actually you should take mm-hmm. a peek go and have a look we'll be sharing it up on the Facebook page as well and getting it out across our social medias too so uh, take a look legionengineered.com Okay. Okay. Uh, Ash, on to our other... Oh, actually, as well, make sure as well, if you are going to go and buy Joel's book, the name mm-hmm. is Appel, 
a Canadian in the French Foreign Legion. Again, you can get that on Amazon. Uh, you can also get it through Indigo, I think he mentioned there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully any other online bookstores. I know he mentioned as well through through Kindle and uh, and Google Books as well. Yeah. And uh, he did also mention as well at some point they might be doing the Audible, which is good for uh, for people if you're, again, podcast listeners, normally spend a lot of time kind of floating around, not always easy to sit down and read a book sometimes, but uh, look out for the Audible track as well, potentially in the future too. Absolutely. Yeah, support the man. He's doing some good stuff. So definitely take some time. Go and take a look. Give him a pat. Uh, Ash. Yeah, we'll go into our shout-outs. Uh, Modus, uh, we give them uh, uh, some love every week. Um, we've been playing with their um, product that they send to us for the past uh, almost a year now. Um, claim to fame was the uh, Snagger Tool. But they've been sending us a bunch more, and they've been releasing uh, new product like crazy. Uh, they just sent us a couple mini spanners that we're playing with. Uh, they did send us a pretty cool new tool that uh, I shared with the chief, and he he wants to see uh, how how that uh, works in the field. We can't show you that yet, but uh, some some pretty cool things coming down down the line from Modus. So check them out. Um, <clears throat> they're on all the social media platforms. Um, they have extended to us a discount code for you guys. So it's uh, DTFF5. It gives you 5% off of your purchase uh, of any product that uh, they offer. So check those guys out. Yeah. <coughs> uh, RZ Masks. Uh, RZ Masks, we have about 40 of them now. Um, we use them on pretty much every call for different things. Really depends on what we're doing. Obviously, it's not a replacement for SCBA. We never claim it to be, but it is a very good alternative if you are uh, a little bit further away from the fire, out of that hot zone, mm. um, and uh, and doing some work around that area. Great if you're on the trucks too, um, just for those occasional potential wind changes. And when it is cold, the neoprene version that we have of mm. the M1s keeps your face really really warm very very uh very very helpful in those cold cold weathers mm-hmm. so um as of right now it's very cold as of right yeah. exactly that yeah cool to sell out there it is freezing uh so we have the m1s with the f3 filters if you would like to pick yourself up some masks you can go ahead and use the discount code of dtff and that will give you 33% off of your purchase uh, which is a pretty significant chunk of change. So, uh, yeah, DTFF5, RZ Masks, grab yourself one. They are always useful to have in your kit bag. Mm. What? And in your car. Your kit bag. Mm. Not DTFF5. Oh, no. Just straight DTFF. <laughs> just straight DTFF. <laughs> yeah. Modus, yeah. Modus, DTF5, RZ Mask, just DTFF. We'll get you the discount. There you go. Yeah. I'm glad someone pays attention. That's right. <laughs> we are recording a podcast. Yeah. I drift in and out. Yeah. <laughs> Carl's the host. <laughs> Todd, stop the bleed. Stop the bleed. Uh, bleedingcontrol.org. Um, yeah, it's we talk about it a lot. Uh, it's fabulous. Go online, see if there's a course in your area. Um, learn about some of the uh, massive hemorrhage control things that you can do. Uh, carry tourniquets, learn the wound packing, and just be aware. Check it out. It's important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Super important. And then Matt's calls. Secondalarm.org. Um, secondalarm.org. Go check him out. 
Um, Matt is trying to, and along with the calls, are trying to raise awareness for volunteers to join our wonderful service. So if you uh, if you need more people and you understand the need that everybody, others in this uh, in this wonderful service that we call the the fire service needs more people, more bums and seats, uh, more backpacks and everything else. We need to get in there and do the work. These guys are the guys that are helping to promote our service, to get more people into our fire halls to do the job that we love so much. Go and support it. It will be, uh, it's going to be a phenomenal cause, national cause eventually, hopefully. And uh, yeah, really kind of shine the light on what we do. So check them out, secondalarm.org. And then, Scott, we have a seminar there, chap. I'll leave that one to you. Yeah, are we, uh, are we missing our bar boyfriends there? No, Ash is going to get on with the bar boyfriend in a minute, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so... so uh, I don't know if he added them to his Tinder profile, though. <laughs> Swipe right. Ash has Tinder. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, sir. Seminar, May 1st, 2nd, 3rd. Um, sent out some uh, the notices and the um, registration forms, very technical registration forms. Print them off. Use a pencil or a pen. Um, write them out. Right send them back. Right tech. Pretty simple. Um, got about 20, 20 plus little scenario, uh, scenarios, um, stations that we're planning on. Um, anything from structure fires to mass casualties to gas emergencies, um, all sorts of fire-related stuff. And usually it's pretty good, pretty good time. It's, it's a big festival, basically. Firepalooza 2020. <laughs> Boom. Be there. Get your, uh, get your awesome t-shirt. The t-shirt this year looks phenomenal. Yeah, I'm going to post that pretty soon. Yeah, maybe not pretty soon. A little while. Yeah, give it a bit. Anyway. It's, it, it, yeah. Looks, it looks smart. It's really, really smart. I love yeah. the Love the style, love the design. It's one of our best for sure. Will Bob let me bring my travel trailer again? <laughs> so I don't. No, no, you guys threatened that the last time. Tons RV in there. Fire. Tons in there. <laughs> Woohoo! Nice. Uh, yeah. So seminar. Make sure that uh, if you are interested, get your application in soon. We will be filling up quick. We uh, we always tend to. So um, get your application in. Uh, and if you're abroad, get your uh, get your tickets booked on your flights. And your hotels reserved too, because those things will also fill up fast, mm-hmm. uh, including all the campgrounds and everything else. It's a beautiful time of year, so we get busy anyway. But um, yeah, it's definitely worth getting in quick if you are thinking about it, which you definitely should be, because it is a fun weekend. Um, yeah. And then the Bar Boys are Ash. Yes, uh, Brotherhood Academy Radio Podcast. Um, yeah. East Coast Americans uh, kind of doing the, the, the same thing that we do. They're a really good group of guys. Uh, they've, they've been at it about a year as well. Um, you know, pretty aggressive group, uh, pretty heavy training. Uh, again, they're, they're super similar to us here. Um, just with an American Salty swing. dogs. Salty bastards, man. It's, yeah. uh, with their leather helmets and... And all that stuff. So, Chad is enormous badges. Enormous. Yeah, I love it. Buddy. Yeah, God, I love it. Oh man, that thing's like a Spartan shield. I know. <laughs> yeah. See a chiropractor after you wear that. Pull you to the one side. Oh, it's a beaut. Yeah, but yeah, give them give them a follow. They're in all the uh, the uh, social medias there. So uh, check them out. Brotherhood Academy Radio Podcast. 
Yeah, bar boys. And then uh, we have obviously us. So if you are still listening, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'd love if you would take the time just to pop over, give us a review either our, or both, if you don't mind, on Facebook and on whatever uh, podcast platform you are listening to us on. It definitely help, helps us get in front of other people, helps us spread the messages uh, of the fire service that we like to share all the fun things that we do. Again, we always talk about the things that we like, the things that we do, not necessarily the things that will work for you, but definitely something that you might want to consider if you are looking at doing things a little bit different or even just looking for some tips. The whole point of all of this is to share uh, share the knowledge, not just from our, our department and our people, but uh, from others as well all around the world. So, And again, on that note, if you would like to be on the podcast, give us a message, drop us a call, whatever you like, and we will definitely get you on and we'll have a bit of a chat. Um, again, we're, we're very open to that. We enjoy it. We learn something and, uh, we appreciate it that mm-hmm. people want to do that too. So, um, yeah, definitely give us a look on their Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Ash, his new favorite <laughs> and Todd's new favorite, actually, oh, yeah. the TikTok. Man, do they call it TikTok because you lose hours, hours of hours your time? Yeah. In, like, you don't even realize. And you absolutely absolutely add time when you're sitting on the crapper and you turn, <laughs> turn it on mm-hmm. instead of being in there for a couple minutes you're there for like 20 mm-hmm. numb legs that's bad yeah, <laughs> yeah stand up oh, carefully yeah. <laughs> going down mm-hmm. um, yeah so we're we're on the dreaded TikTok too which uh, we do have some more content placed for we're going to be re-editing some of our older stuff and placing that up too if you were on our Facebook page this week or this past week you would have noticed as well that we did a uh a banner change on our Facebook page, and we also did a twenty, uh, a, a kind of twenty nineteen end of, and a thank you into the twenty twenty. So take a look at that. It's a cool little compilation of what we've got or what we had throughout the twenty nineteen, uh, all our video content and bits and pieces. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot more planned for twenty twenty with uh, some sponsorships and some backing coming through as well. So we've got bigger and better plans for what we're getting into. So stay tuned. We appreciate you, and uh, thank you again for listening. Any more for any more, boys? I think that's all she wrote. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Ash? Thanks, guys. Todd? Thank you. Scott? Okay. Stay safe. Stay DTFF. Stay DTFF.